such a great job of leading us to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the worship of our God and Father this morning. Uh, this question has <clears throat> always fascinated uh, students of Bible prophecy. Is today <clears throat> the day that Jesus could come? And uh, throughout history, there have always been a group of people who think they know the answer. Uh, probably one of the most flagrant uh, examples of date setting was a man by the name of Edgar Wisnant. And he wrote these uh, two books, you may remember them, uh, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988. When he was wrong, that did not deter him. He recalculated and wrote a second book in which he predicted it would be 1989. You know what he said when he failed in both occasions? He said, I can stand in front of the Lord and say that I gave it my best shot. <laughs> you ready for this? How many copies do you think these books sold? Four and a half million. How could so many people fall for this age-old problem of date-setting when the Bible clearly condemns date-setting? I think the answer is many people do not understand the purpose of Bible prophecy. I wonder this morning, do you? Purpose of Bible prophecy. Here is the purpose of Bible prophecy. The purpose of Bible prophecy is not to mark our calendar, but to motivate our character. That's why the Bible predicts future events. Not to figure out when Jesus is coming, but to know how to live because Jesus is coming. Now that's what I want us to see today as we continue in our series in the Gospel of Mark. Today we are coming to Mark chapter 13. And the disciples had the same questions that we have. Would you turn there with me in your Bibles to Mark 13? It's page 1010 in the Bible in front of you. And I want you to notice how this chapter in God's Word opens. Notice what we read. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones... And what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Now this was during Passion Week. And Jesus knew in just a few days the leaders of Israel were already plotting his death that would occur in just a few days. And as a result of the rejection of their Messiah, they would reap horrific judgment as the armies of the Gentiles would come into their city, destroy it and the temple in 70 AD, and they would be scattered to the ends of the earth for 2,000 years. Now the disciples knew their Bibles. They knew that Zechariah 14 predicted that when the Gentiles attacked the city of Jerusalem, the Lord would deliver His people. Can you imagine how excited the disciples must have been? 
In their minds, Jesus was predicting end-time events and the final victory. And so, in response to Jesus' prediction, they asked the two questions that are always burning in the hearts of God's people. Look at them in verses 3 and 4. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be? Three points. In one of the most spellbinding three-point sermons ever given, Jesus answers their questions. He lays out the whole course of the future right up to His coming again with great power and glory. And you know what His very first point is in Mark chapter 13? Don't get prophecy fever. Don't get carried away with false signs. Don't lose your head or waste your time. What should we do? Well, we should understand the false signs uh, that are not the end, and then we should understand our priorities until the end. And so this morning, we begin with the first message that Jesus has for us as He answers end-time questions, and the first message is false signs of the end times. And here's what we're going to see. There are four false signs of the end times. And once Jesus has explained us to the, these to us, then He's going to tell us what it is that our priorities are to be while we wait for His return. Continue in your Bible with me at verse 5 and notice what Jesus said. And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of birth pangs. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all the nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are given to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated for all for my name's sake but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Let's look at these false signs, shall we? Here's the first one. Jesus is saying there will be... During the course of the church age, Jesus is saying there will be false messiahs and false teaching. When He says in verse 6, many will come and say, I am He... It is the familiar Greek phrase, ego eimi, that Jesus often used to claim that He was the Messiah and that He was God. 
It goes all the way back to God's self-identification when he said, this is my name, I am that I am. And so Jesus is telling us that false messiahs claiming the power and dignity of God will arise during the church age. There was a very wonderful messianic Jewish man by the name of Charles Feinberg. He was a wonderful Christian and a great scholar, and he wrote a book entitled The Second Coming of Jesus Christ. And this is what he said, Since the time of Jesus, 64 men have appeared claiming to be the Messiah. Add five more. Not long ago, I was in the barbershop. I picked up a uh, magazine. Uh, the um, uh, magazine that I recall was the National Geographic. As I looked at the table of contents, here was an article that caught my current five men who all think they're Jesus Christ the Messiah, currently living all around the world. Some have just a few followers. One has 5,000 followers. One's in Brazil, one's in Mexico, one's in Japan. What a fascinating article, exactly what Jesus said. But the Bible says, in addition to these false messiahs, there will be false teaching. Uh, read with me this verse uh, from 1 John 2.18. Read me with me together. Children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know it is the last hour. Isn't that interesting? We've been living in the last hour from New Testament times, and the Bible says this deception will be a characteristic of the age. Look how the Apostle Paul puts it in 1 Timothy 4. Let me read these verses for you. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such te teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences diagram what they appeared as with a hot iron. Uh, we could uh, diagram what the Apostle Paul is saying will occur throughout the entire age. Uh, the faith that he talks about is the body of truth. The 66 books of the Bible as rightly interpreted. And he says that during this course of the age, some shall depart from the faith and they will follow doctrines that are, have their origination in demons. And this will take place during the entire course of the age. It seems like almost every month I'm reading about somebody who has recently departed from the faith. Uh, just in the last month or so, somebody sent me this magazine article title from ChristianHeadlines.com. Here it is. NFL star Aaron Rodgers has been greatly influenced by Rob Bell. How very sad that is. Rob Bell pastored the largest uh, evangelical church in the state of Michigan, and he is well known now for his denials of the Bible's clear teaching. Just one of the latest examples of what the Bible said would occur. 
I wrote back to the friend who sent this to me. It is sad to say, let's pray for the influence of false teachers like Bell. Let's pray for Rogers that he will recover a true faith in Christ and the Bible. And it's so easy when we begin to see this to think, well, this apostasy is occurring. Jesus' return must be very close. A very well-known pastor from Boston many years ago said this, In this present great apostasy from New Testament Christianity, we could see a sign which will warn us in believing that Christ's coming may not be far away. But I would caution us, no, it's not necessarily a sign that Jesus' coming is imminent. What it is, is a sign that we ought to be very, very careful because we are living in deceptive days. The second false sign that Jesus talks about is the sign of disorder, war and moral decay. He said, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom will rise against kingdom. And in God's providence, as He guides history to its intended end, wars, the historics, will be a part of human history right up to the very end. The historian Will Durant many years ago wrote this, War is one of the constants of history and has not diminished with civilization and democracy. He wrote in 4,000 and 3,421 years of recorded history, only 268 have seen no war. And it is very, very easy to think when war is hit that this means the end has arrived. Back during World War II, there was a very well-known Canadian pastor by the name of Oswald J. Smith. He wrote a book, which you can still access, in which he said uh, Hitler was the Antichrist and Mussolini, the fascist leader of Italy, was the false prophet. He had it all worked out. And then the Third Reich was overthrown. Hitler committed suicide. The world has gone on. And Oswald J. Smith... He looked very, very foolish. And this is what Jesus is warning about. Now, in addition to war, the Bible says that there will be a moral decay that will occur during the church age. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3.1 that in the last times, which we are currently living in, there will be stressful or perilous times. It's very interesting, the word perilous means stressful or fierce. It is the very word that the Bible uses of the demonized man who met Jesus, who was out of control and very dangerous. And what the Bible teaches is that when there is moral and social decay, this makes society a dangerous place to live. And you know what often happens? As we see this decay occurring, we think it's so bad, the Lord must be near. Many years ago, there was a doctor by the name of Benjamin Spock. He wrote a book entitled, Baby and Child Care. That book sold 32 million copies. As he got older, he was quoted in the Detroit News as saying this, American society is sick and getting sicker. And it's easy to think as that occurs 
that this must mean the Lord is coming imminently. Let me read for you uh, some conditions in America, and you think in your mind, what period of our history did these conditions exist in? Here they are. Drunkenness was epidemic. 15,000 drunkards were being buried every single year. Women were afraid, the most shocking kind. For the first time in the history of America, women were afraid to go out at night for fear of assault. Bank robberies were a daily occurrence. Anti-Christian bigotry was rife. Mock communions were held at Williams College. Anti-Christian plays at Dartmouth. A Bible burning occurred in New Jersey, and one viewer of the scene said, it seemed as if Christianity was about to be ushered out of the affairs of men. What period of history in America do you think that's referring to? You ready? Right after the Revolutionary War. The historian said, if you change the numbers, many people reading this account would shake their heads, thinking it was a fitting description of America of today. But it was the late 1700s. Do you see what Jesus is teaching us? Society with Christ will always be a mess. It always will be. And that's why committed Christians are greatly needed. Now the first false, third false sign that Jesus described is this. Jesus said in verse, disasters, earthquakes, and famines. Jesus said in verse 8, there will be earthquakes in various places and there will be famines. Earthquakes like Harvey. What's the second one? Irma. What's the third one? Maria. Two earthquakes in Mexico. The atrocities of ISIS. And you know what is easy to do? To start counting all of the disasters as signs of the end. But do you know these very things have happened before? During the years between Christ's death and the very destruction of the temple that he predicted There was a terrible earthquake in Laodicea. Mount Vesuvius erupted and buried Pompeii. And there was a famine in Rome itself. In fact, you may remember in the book of Acts, there was such a great famine in Jerusalem and in Palestine that the Apostle Paul collected an offering to help with famine relief. And it's interesting, Jesus here says the opposite of what is often said today. Did you notice? In verse 7, he said, the end is not yet. And in verse 8, he said, sometimes the beginning of birth pains. Sometimes it's very, very helpful for us to illustrate what is being taught by a picture And I think this one is very, very helpful. As Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives that day teaching his disciples, he could look down the corridors of history and he could see what was coming. Think about the things in our own day that he could see. He saw hurricanes, Harvey, Irma, and Maria. 
He saw the two earthquakes that would occur in Mexico. He could see ISIS and all the atrocities that they were committing. He could see North Korea threatening nuclear war. And Jesus said, as, we saw, as He saw all of those things, the end is not yet, but rather we must understand that the world is in travail like a mother giving birth. What an effective image this is. The, the world is in travail like a mother preparing to give birth. It's like the beginning of birth pangs. Birth knows. When those birth pangs start, there are more coming. And it may take a long time before that baby arrives. We were just recently in the hospital and there was a family in the waiting room. They had been waiting all day and the baby had not come yet. And Jesus is saying, that's what the course of this age is going to be like. Now here's a, a fourth false sign. Finally, number four. Jesus said distresses, beatings, and death, and hatred. Look what he said in verse 8. He says, uh, be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, you will be beaten in synagogues, you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all of the nations. Verse 12, brother will deliver brother over to death, the father his child, children will rise against parents and have them put to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. You know what Jesus was preparing the early church for? The persecution that He knew was coming. From the very beginning, as you start to read the book of Acts, you see the church experience persecution. Paul the Apostle experienced everything that Jesus described in these words. He was taken before councils. He was beaten. He testified before rulers and kings. All of the major apostles, James, Peter, Paul, the brother of Jesus, James, they were all martyred before the fall of Jerusalem. And often, just as Jesus said, the source was fellow Jews who turned on those who became Christians. I don't have to tell you. Throughout church history, this persecution has continued. It has marked the course of this age. And it is getting worse. I read an article not long ago that said this. There are more Christians who have been martyred in the last century than in the previous 1900 combined. One recent year in the last two decades, 160,000 believers were killed in one year alone. Do you know the tide against biblical Christianity has been turning in America since the late 1800s? In New England, the tide against biblical I heard, began turning in the 1700s. And not long ago, I heard uh, President of Cornerstone University, Joel Stoll, say this, Today, 
This is the first time in American history that we are ministering in a thoroughly pagan culture. And he's exactly right. And this turning from biblical Christianity has been occurring for a very, very long time. Imminent sign that Jesus is coming again? Not necessarily. Because Jesus said it would mark the course of the entire age. Now, if you were to say to me, Pastor Brian, what do you believe? I would tell you this, I believe that Jesus could come tomorrow. I believe He could come before tomorrow is over, before today is over. But it could be a long, long time. And it's very clear that Jesus is saying, do not get caught up in prophecy fever and get distracted and waste your time as many have done. But in light of this, what are our priorities? Well, let me give to you the priorities that Jesus gives to us. We are to be involved until the end. Here are the three things that we are to be involved in as Christians. Number one, we are to watch. We are to watch. Jesus said twice, make sure that no one leads you astray. And in verse 9, he said, be on your guard. These are evil days that we are living in. There's no question. There's an all-out attack by the forces of evil on the truth. And we are vulnerable to deception and false living. And Jesus is saying we need to watch out and be sure that we are grounded in the faith and that our children are grounded in the faith because the deception of the evil one is so strong and so effective. Second, Jesus said we are to witness. He said this gospel must be proclaimed to all of the nations. Some of us are aware that uh, evangelist Billy Graham is now almost 100 years old. You know what he has said? He said there are only two solutions for America, spiritually speaking, prayer and revival. Less revival, those are the only two things that can save us. And unless revival comes, we can expect the moral decline to get worse and worse. Some time ago in USA Today, a grandfather wrote in an article and uh, wrote to the newspaper which was published in the nation's national newspaper. I agree with part of what he said, but I don't agree with what the rest of what he said. Let me read for you what this grandfather said. We're witnessing a decline and the fall of every semblance of the decency most of us were hoping for and expected. And I agree with that. Here's what I don't agree with. He said, I fear for my children and grandchildren. Why don't I agree with that? Why am I not pessimistic like that? Because in times of distress, people will often listen. And we are the ones that have the answers. 
And so if the lives of people all around us are falling apart and their lives are not working because they do not have the truth, who are they often ready to listen to? That loving Christian next door who is following Christ has a person and is finding God's principles working in their lives. I'll never forget many years ago a young man who was as far from God as anyone could have been was attracted to a church that he started attending. And just a few weeks after being in that church, this is what he said to me. He said, I've got more real friends in this church than I ever had before. And he could see the difference that Christ makes. And so rather than being pessimistic, what we need to understand is as the days grow darker, our witness gets brighter. Finally, Jesus said, we are to withstand. We are to withstand. Did you notice His words in verse 13? The one who endures to the end will be saved. Endurance is always the mark of the true Christian. We may waver, we may stumble, but the true Christian will always, in the end, cling to Christ. And what Jesus was saying, and as we in which we are living, we need to withstand. And as we withstand, others who are wavering, others who are stumbling, may be led by our example to cling to the Christ who is the only answer. After I graduated from Bible college, I went to junior college for two years. During that time in junior college, my faith was often assaulted by the professors that I had who were not Christians. Because I had graduated from Bible college, I would speak up and I would defend my faith. I would do the very best that I could to give answers that defended the truth of God's Word. One day after class, something happened that I had no idea was going on. A young lady approached me. She was a freshman at the junior college. She was probably 18 years of age. And this is what she said to me. She said, I want to thank you for speaking up. She was from a Reformed church background. This was the very first time in her life that her faith had ever been challenged. And this is what she said to me, and I had no agree with you. She said, a lot of others in class agree with you. We just don't know what to say. And then she said these words. You're doing more than you know. I had no idea. All I was doing was trying to be a responsible Christian saying that the Bible and the things that are taught in it can be believed, and refuting the things that my professors would often throw out to cut down the Christianity of the young people sitting under their tutelage. 
I had no idea that there were many, many younger than me, I was about 21 at the time, who didn't know what to say, but were strengthened because of my defense of the faith. Here's what I want to say to us today. When you watch, when you witness, when you withstand, you're doing more than you know. More than you know. Jesus will come. Two messages. He will timetable is ready. In the next two messages, he will talk more about this. But in the meantime, here is our priority. Remember the lesson we began with? Let's say it together this morning, shall we? Join me. The purpose of Bible prophecy is not to mark our calendar, but to motivate our character. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, Jesus is coming again. So why are we pessimistic? Why are we defeated? Why are we wringing our hands and in a place of foreboding and fear? Everything we see today is everything Jesus saw as he sat on the Mount of Olives and looked down through the corridors of time. Then everything, all the morning's head paper, newspapers are nothing more than everything Jesus said would come. But he gave us a strategy. And in that strategy, he told us how to live. Because we are not on the losing side, we are on the winning side. And during times of difficulty and turmoil and hatred and strife and natural disaster, it is then that Christianity has looked the very brightest and often grown the very most. And so may we do exactly what Jesus said. May we watch, the days are evil. May we witness the gospel is the solution. May we withstand so that those who are wavering and trembling near us may find the strength to go on as they follow Christ. What a simple strategy. What an encouraging strategy for the days in which we live. We love you for giving it to us. For Jesus' sake. Amen. I love this final song.